Welcome to the best of the best of Untapped podcast. While I'm on maternity leave, I thought there was no better time to bring back the most popular episodes and the most downloaded episodes of all time on the Untapped podcast. Why? Because great content deserves to live for a long time. And sometimes you might have missed one of the best episodes ever. So we are bringing back eight of the best as voted by you. And this is one of them. Let's dive in. You are so in for a treat with this episode of Untapped because we are going to dive into how to hit your goals and develop emotional resilience. And you might even get a little bit of a coach off. So how can emotional resilience help you hit your goals? And what is emotional resilience? Well, I have the fantastic Kim Addis, who's the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching on this episode. Now, you may remember her name if you've been listening to me for years, because she was on the Suitcase Entrepreneur Podcast four years ago, and we chatted about limiting beliefs and how to overcome them. And it was one of my favorite conversations, and it was actually one of yours as well. It's one of the most downloaded episodes still to air. So we decided to jam again because this mindset thing, this mindset thing is something we all need to be working on all the time, which sometimes can be a bit of a bummer. But when you're in the zone and you're working on your growth, on stretching yourself, on challenging yourself, on bettering yourself, on figuring out why you have those limiting beliefs, why you have those frustrating little voices in your head, that inner imposter syndrome, the critical talk that goes on. This is so important for you to master and overcome because otherwise it'll just take you down in life. And sure, there are going to be times when it's harder to do than others. And that's where emotional resilience comes in. Because if you have that and you've built it up as a habit, as a skill, on the times when you're feeling a bit more vulnerable, a little bit more down, or just a little bit more tender, or not able to cope, this is when it's going to kick in and help you to thrive. So a couple of things that you're going to learn in this episode is what keeps talented and driven individuals from reaching their goals, what emotional resilience is and how we can leverage it, why Kim doesn't actually recommend finding a work-life balance, which I love, what limiting beliefs are, I think we all know what they potentially are, but more importantly, how to become aware of them and remove them from your life and how you can step into your full power and potential. And as I mentioned, we also end up coaching each other. And I just find this fascinating. Kim pulls out a couple of not necessarily limiting beliefs, but thoughts and statements that I have pretty firmly entrenched in my head about why I think everybody should be reaching their full potential. And she kind of calls me on it. It's great. And then um, I also walk her through something around speaking. So just listen in. I really, really hope you enjoy this and get tons out of it. And just before I dive in, if goal setting is something that you really, really want to master and you want to have a fantastic 2020 and do things differently, then please join me on my favorite annual event of the year. It's my Plan Your Ideal Freedom Year workshop. And in two hours or less, you and I and a bunch of other lovely people are going to set our goals and intentions for 2020 live. But we're going to do much more than that. We're going to look at your vision. We're going to turn them into weekly and daily actions for you. We're going to look at your business plan goals and your content marketing editorial calendar, basically your profit calendar for the year. So head to nataliesisson.com forward slash workshop for all the details. It's happening live on December 1st, but even if you can't join it live, you get it as a course after. So just check out the details, do yourself a favor. And now into the interview with Kim. 
So welcome back to my podcast, Kim. It is awesome to have you here because the last time we spoke was years ago, back on the Suitcase Entrepreneur about overcoming limiting beliefs. I am super happy to be talking to you. It's always a pleasure. I feel like we could just be talking for hours and hours and have never an endless amount of things to talk about. Me too, actually. And I think what was really fascinating about that episode is it was one of the most popular still to date because we all have limiting beliefs, right? But I think it was just a really good, honest conversation where you had a ton of tips and strategies for dealing with overcoming limiting beliefs. And I hope that I, you know, a lot of people said, hey, after listening to you and Kim chat, I've started working with her and it's really great. And I was like, oh, this is the power of podcasting, right? To be able to refer great people to great people and make those connections. So you know, yeah, you're welcome. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. We should talk later. Yeah, um, we should. <laughs> but today I think what's, what will be really, really neat to talk about actually is some key topics actually around what keeps talented and driven individuals from reaching their goals. A little bit about how actually you set your goals and what you kind of, I guess, believe is the best way to go about reaching those. Because there's a lot of people who sit on the fence with whether you should set goals or intentions. And this is one of my favorite topics. So do we want to start there? Because at this very point in time, it was just 11-11 on the 11th of the 11th. I think that's kind of like, if you're into angel numbers or if you're into serendipity or whatever, I just think this is a lucky time to be talking to the lovely Kim. So (laughs) what is your stance when it comes to why people set goals and don't reach them? Because you must have seen this a lot. Yeah, I do see it a lot. In fact, it's uh, the thing that I work with most probably is that people come to me for coaching because they want to reach a specific goal and they don't understand why it's so elusive and they try different things, but those things don't work or they can't seem to get themselves together in order to do the things they know they should be doing. This is one thing that I've been studying for years and years and years. And what I realized is that, especially, you know, I work with the driven population, they can create plans. It's not that they don't know how to do that. They know how to create plans, but something prevents them from reaching the goal that they set. And that has to do with their thinking. It has to do with the way they see themselves in the world, the way they see the way the world works. And at the end of the day, it has to do with their level of emotional resilience. So a lot of people think that others have trouble reaching goals because they're not taking action. And what I want to say is that action follows thought. First we think, then we do. And very often when we want to reach a goal, we say, okay, I have to mobilize myself. I have to create Mm -hmm. a plan of action. I have to get those things done. And I always say that if your thinking isn't aligned with your goals, all the action in the world won't get you there. So you have to make sure your thinking is lined up with your goals first. And that's really what I see. And that's what really at the end of the day, truly prevents people from reaching their goals. I love that um, frame of reference for sure, because I know in the past when I've set some massive goal for myself, if I haven't truly believed in it and that I think I can do it and I haven't thought through what that would look like and feel like and sound like and smell like to actually be in that situation, having achieved that goal, I know most of the time they don't come off the way they should or they're sort of half-baked. And the times when I've really, I absolutely envisioned myself reaching that goal and thinking on it every single day and knowing and believing that it's possible, it's happened way quicker than I could have even imagined. Right. So a lot of people put a lot of the weight or the effort into the doing and they don't do almost anything related to the thinking or the beliefs. And really that carries the greater weight, to be honest, because if you lose faith in yourself at any point in the journey, like game over, 
Like imagine <laughs> an Olympic racer, right? An Olympic runner. If they lose faith halfway through the race, the race is over. So yeah. their head has to be in the game. And that's what people don't quite understand how important, how critical that component is in the process of reaching goals. And do you think that's because, quite frankly, most of us don't get taught how to capitalize on the power of the mind and the thought process to actually be able to do that, like really using our thoughts and, our, and rewiring our brain as a tool for success? Well, we certainly aren't taught how to master our thinking, but even more than that, we're all human, right? Like we mm -hmm. all are wired with a set of beliefs that hold us back. And so what we're really not taught is to identify those beliefs that are tripping us up and address them by trading them in for something more powerful, more useful. And so we all have that. And the problem is that we're all unaware by and large of the beliefs that hold us back. And so the question becomes, A, how do you become aware of them? Because if you don't know they're there, how do you address them? And then the second part is how do you actually move them over? How do you deal with them so they're not stopping you from reaching your goals anymore? Mm, do you want to talk us through some of your fantastic strategies for doing that? Because I'm so, pretty sure this is what you do all the time. This is what we do all the time. So when we coach people, one of the critical pieces of our coaching process is we ask them to journal in an online journal. And what that allows us to do is actually pick up those limiting beliefs and pick up the patterns of thought that trip people up. So when you journal about all the different areas in your life, we're able to connect things that don't seem connectable, right? They don't appear to have any relationship to one another, but when we look at it from a little bit of a distance, we can see, oh, the way she's operating here is exactly the same as she's operating here. And there's a belief that links the two together. So my job is to bring to the surface, to bring to your awareness, this belief that's holding you in a sense captive, right? It's holding you hostage. So through the journaling process, I can much more quickly identify those things that are keeping you from reaching your goals and living the life you really want to live. Mm, I like that. And so people actually, they journal for a certain amount of time with you and then they actually send you that journal or they take a snapshot of it and no, share no, no. it with you. So we, we use, so for many years we, we had, we built this product called Journal Engine and I'm happy to talk about that a little bit yeah. more after too. And we built it to have a, a secure platform for our clients to journal with their coach. So what happens is at the beginning of the week, we give them a journaling question they read it and they start journaling. And every time they journal, their journal goes back to their coach. This is happening every day, who then reads and responds to their journal. So they're in communication with their coach every single day. And the coach is responding to the journal by going deeper, asking more questions. And the purpose of those questions is to really see and understand those patterns of belief. Mm, I'm totally sorry. I forgot that you had that brilliant journal engine software that you developed just for this. So they feel safe and secure. They can do it. And the coach can absolutely pick up triggers and patterns, as you said, and be able to even out of the wording and what they're using right. in their language. I imagine That's it's right. pretty clear once you're trained to see it. Right. So I'll give you a perfect example because this happened recently. Uh, one of my clients was journaling and he said, um, you know, I'm an introvert. And for me, that's a bit of a red flag because how does being an introvert serve anybody? It doesn't necessarily, right? It's like this word that we use to describe ourselves. It's not very, very powerful. It kind of keeps us a little bit small. So I asked him the question in the journal, who told you you were an introvert? 
And he said, well, I became an introvert when I entered junior high school. And the word became was very interesting. Mm -hmm. what, what do you mean you became? Weren't you an introvert before? How does someone become suddenly an introvert? But what it helped me to understand is that throughout his life, he always was much more comfortable in this position of waiting and watching or sitting on the fence or not really committing to anything. So wrapping his arms around the concept of introversion kept him mm -hmm. capable of not playing full out, not giving 100% of sitting safely on the sidelines, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I really so, like that. So all of that, you know, it's the language, as you say, that helps me to poke around and understand, like, what is this really about? Why is he describing himself this way? Why is he wrapping himself around this idea that's not necessarily the best idea for him? Mm. And how do you go about helping people see that? Because obviously, the, if that's a very long-held belief that they've labeled themselves with and then almost sort of wrap their identity around this new belief that this is what they are, how do you go about unraveling that and allowing them to step into their full power and their full potential? Well, one of the things I do is like I address it straight on. Like, how does this, how does this description of you serve you? Serve you. So that's yeah. part A. But part B is I also notice moments in their journal when they're not all that introverted. So for example, he owns a company. He's an entrepreneur. He's a leader. He has to do client presentations. He has to do networking events. He has to run meetings. He can't be so introverted to be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So who's his true self? right? Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm slightly challenging this description that doesn't fully fit him anyways. So mm -hmm. we're, we're poking holes. And why <laughs> do we poke holes? Because holes allow space. Holes allow for other possibilities to exist. And that's what we're really doing is we're taking a person's very fixed mindset and creating greater possibilities. I love that. But for some reason, sorry, I'm giggling in the background because when you were saying we're poking holes and we're going around, we're creating space. I had this vision of Sharon Stone with her ice pick, but in a, in a better way than in that movie, just for anybody oh who's seen goodness. it, um, but more like just like letting the, like by poking those holes, releasing some of those toxic gases that you've been keeping inside and allowing it exactly. to get some more space and for yes. more goodness to come back in and oxygenate that, you. So, that's the one. Yeah. Not the Sharon Stone vicious killing somebody with an ice pick. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Sometimes my mind works in strange ways, but <laughs> I wish I could. Yes. very visual. Yeah. Well, that must be pretty powerful for people. What do you find happens? Do we regress at any point? Because obviously you can't just, they can't just go, oh, Kim, that's brilliant. That's enlightening. Great. Now I'll start working on my more extroverted tendencies or I'll stop dropping that label so I can step into being more of my full self. But obviously humans, and I know how we work, we tend to revert back to what we know and what feels safe and what we've had yeah. for years and years. So how do we, um, as humans, kind of catch ourselves in those moments to stop that from happening again and break that pattern? So for me, I don't care what they do, right? The action mm -hmm. isn't so important. For me, the action they take, whatever it is, the things they do are only interesting because it allows me to understand how they think and what they believe to be true. So once your belief shifts even a little bit, just even a little bit, there's never a total reversion. Mm. You can't go all the way back because your mind okay. isn't there anymore. And because you know more, you're more aware. Well, yeah, it's like, it's a weird kind of concept, but once you've moved an inch, Maybe an inch isn't a lot, but an inch may be just enough, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's what I'm looking at. 
And what we notice is that when your thinking shifts, your actions naturally follow. So I don't need to pay attention to whether or not a person sits on the sidelines at a meeting. I don't need to pay attention to any of that. What I need to pay attention to is, is the mind coming along with their plan and their goals? Mm. And when the mind comes along, the body follows. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to speak a little bit more to that? Because I imagine there's quite a lot of, as you just said, but the body follows. So then there's some physical manifestation that takes place and people actually kind of embodying this new identity that they've gotten through the, the release of that pattern or that trigger or that belief. Well, look at, let's say weight loss, for example, right? You know, we all know what we're supposed to do. Uh, well, maybe we don't know because there are so many different <laughs> instructions, right? But we all kind of get the idea, you know, you got to kind of, uh, you know, ingest less than you burn or burn more than you, than you take in, right? Like there's a basic formula there. Mm-hmm. And so we know that eating chips isn't the best idea or fried foods. Like we got, we got the basic list down, you know, don't eat six chocolate bars every day, but sometimes people have a hard time taking action. And it has to do with the fact that their thinking isn't lined up with the goal. And so it may be, oh, I feel like I'm missing out if I don't partake in this party or it's a birthday, I should eat cake or, you know, my family's <laughs> around. How else do I, you know, spend time with them and on and on and on. And so when we can start to address those things, those instances become less tense, less hard to manage. Right. And so it's really about understanding how a person thinks about a certain subject and understanding the beliefs that keep them in a pattern of physical behavior. But when their thinking changes, it becomes a lot easier to take action that's aligned with the goal. Yeah, I absolutely imagine that. And that's such an interesting one, right? Because I'll catch myself just on that health one, right? Like I know how to eat well. I've done body sculpting. I've got down to like 10% body fat. I also know what's unhealthy because there's a certain point at which you lose too much fat. And I, I know all the right things to eat, but every so often it'll be out of alignment with how I want to treat my body. So, oh, I feel like chocolate to treat myself today because I frankly love chocolate. But that's also a thought that I've lined up that doesn't necessarily sit with my greater health goal or how I view myself from a health perspective. And that's where I feel a lot of people let themselves down. As you said, they sort of they'll let it slip for an occasion or an event or a pattern or a familiar group of friends or family who have always seen them eating or exercising in a certain way and are kind of like hey what are you trying to do and be different here and not drink alcohol at this party or not eat these beautiful cakes that we put out so I mean it's just that's a particular one that I find really fascinating because it it takes a lot of self-discipline and then as you said that thought that is stronger the why behind that thought and the thought that is stronger than the action that you're going to take that's going to be the inappropriate one or the one that's not going to serve you on that time so just sort of speaking to that is there I well, you said can... something very interesting, right? Yeah. Just, Ooh, she's I mean, already, I'm going to show you what you, what you just said. Well, you said, <laughs> you said the word treat twice. Mm. The first time you said, you know, sometimes I do things that, that where I'm not treating my body properly. Mm-hmm. And literally a sentence later, you said, but sometimes I want to have a piece of chocolate as a treat. <laughs> yeah. So there's a conflict there, right? Mm-hmm. Even in the language you're using. So is chocolate a treat? treat. (laughs) Is chocolate a treat or is chocolate not a treat? Like if I'm eating chocolate and it's not treating my body properly, why do we categorize chocolate as a treat? 
True. Well, 70% cocoa and above and chocolate is actually quite good for you. It has some really, really good antioxidants in it. So right. I'm more talking about right. you know, but, eating but, too much chocolate of the wrong kind. I understand, but we have a misconception. Mm. We have a belief about certain things, about alcohol, about sweets, about fried foods, all those things, right? We have a certain belief about them that are not consistent with- Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> right? no. so, I like to look at that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's again, really, like, it's very good. interesting. I catch myself on language all the time, actually. And I, I hope that's because in many ways I'm a coach or what we spoke about before we started recording about moaching, mentoring and coaching. So I'm, I'm pretty aware of the language and I'll catch myself sometimes when I'm saying something that's in contradiction or, as you said, not serving me or I'll dig into it more. But for people who maybe haven't exercised that muscle or haven't worked through that or aren't as aware, what are some of the things that you think can help them to catch themselves, especially when it comes to, and I know we're slightly talking about limiting beliefs again, as opposed to why people aren't always reaching their goals, but I think it's intertwined. So what are some of the things that you, obviously journaling is one way, but what are some other ways to catch yourself from repeating those patterns or just in that moment going, oh, Nat, that's not a useful thought for you right now. What could you replace it with that's better? Or why yeah. are you thinking this? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Number one is catch yourself complaining. What are you complaining <laughs> about all the time? Right? So notice what you complain about. So for me, I complain about pain. You know, oh, I have a foot pain. Oh, I have a hip pain. Oh, I have a headache. <laughs> like I complain about pain. And it's a thing. And I've, I catch myself and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. So when people ask me how I am, even if I have pain, I say I'm great, right? So mm -hmm. what, what are you complaining about? And what, because what you focus on expands, right? So pay attention to what you're focused on. The other thing is pay attention to the language you use. When you use extreme language, like always, won't, never, should, those kinds of words indicate where your beliefs are, are focused, right? So we want to pay attention to the language we use to describe things. Well, I should go to the gym. Really? Why should you? Right? So we want to pay attention to those things. Those help us understand where we're oriented and mm -hmm. what drives us and what's motivating us to take or not take action. Can I ask a question here about, because we're focusing quite a lot on language and language is massively powerful, right? You can often yeah. change your state through the power of language that you're using, but Obviously, also your physical state is really important. And I'm thinking about people who are listening to this and going, you know what, language isn't there, isn't the thing that they focus on as much, but maybe for some people it's there, they have visuals that aren't serving them well. Do you find that actually language is the most common thing that holds most humans back from reaching their potential? Or are there different types of people who limit themselves in other ways? For example, as I just said, the, the way they visualize or see themselves. Well, 100%. The language is just how we express what we believe, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, but what we believe, the belief component is really the thing that holds us back. So we express our beliefs through, beliefs through our words. We express our beliefs through our actions. We express our beliefs through our relationships and what we allow and not don't allow, what works and doesn't work, right? So there are many, many ways that we express our beliefs, Mm. through the endeavors we take on or refuse to take on. So I'll give you an example. I, two years ago, someone said, you should, Kim, you should do a TED Talk. I'm like, no way, not me. There's no way, <laughs> right? Now I'm working on a TED Talk. So what happened was like, I'm like, no, 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 that's way too big for me. That's too much of a big stage. That's too, 
that's scary, right? And it's still scary, but I've wrapped my head around the idea that, hey, I can do this. I do have a speaking background. I have something important that I want to say. And it's still daunting. I can't tell you how scary it still is, but I have a belief that I can do it. Whereas Mm -hmm. two years ago, forget it, impossible, right? So, So at the end of the day, it's the belief that is the the stopping place for whether or not we achieve our goals. Mm-hmm. And those beliefs are expressed a number of ways. It's expressed how we see ourselves. That could be visually, that could be the way we describe ourselves. That could be the way someone has described us for years and years and years, and we just bought it, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what we believe to be true about ourselves will promote or prevent us from reaching our goals. Yeah, hundred percent. And I just love to make an observation from the outside here because when you said that about your TED talk, well, I get that it can be scary. I just naturally thought that you would have absolutely excelled at that, and you will, and that you would have jumped at that chance. So it was surprising for me to hear that it wasn't something you naturally believed you could do. And I think that's a really fascinating thing: is how people view us from the outside is usually never how we view ourselves. Like I see infinite possibilities for almost every single person that I meet. Like I can see their potential often before they can. And then it's fascinating because if I turn the books on me, often I'll, you know, I'm pretty proud of most of the things that I managed to do and get out there and where I push myself and challenge myself and stretch myself. But often people reflect back to me, "Oh, Natalie, I just thought that'd naturally be something you'd love to do. Wouldn't have thought you'd be scared of that." And I was like, "Hmm." Isn't that fascinating how people see us? So right. yeah, I just I just think in some ways sometimes if people see you in a really positive light and see the great work that you do and the impact that you make, it's almost like you have to or don't have to, you get to take on how they view you sometimes, which is better than how we often turn up and give ourselves self-love and, and view ourselves. Yeah, right? well, 100%. And that is the role of a coach is to see a person in front of you in a greater light than they are capable of seeing themselves. And here's the thing, like our potential is pretty amazing and we're not even really conscious of the potential that we are capable of. And so even people who play big still play small. Yeah. They're just playing on a much bigger level than say you're used to or I'm used to. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Can I give you, while we're on this topic of the TED talk, just for other people who might be listening and thinking about it, can I say from my experience in doing one that it was a hundred percent the best exercise in being able to distill a very powerful and impactful message down into 15 or 18 minutes. Like I think it allowed me to take all of my work and experience to date and squeeze the goodness into a into a sort of a framework that was 15 minutes or less. And I think that's one of the most powerful gifts that you can ever be given. So that's, I'm sure, something. Were you not terrified? Were you not terrified? Uh, I actually really enjoy speaking because I don't make it about me. I just really love teaching and being able to share lessons and experiences. I'm a big connector and I just love sharing. Yeah. So I never view it as, oh my gosh, I'm on stage for everybody to see and I, I might fuck up. Uh, which of course crosses my mind, but I typically turn it around to who am I not serving by not showing up today and doing this. So I always make it about the people that I want to impact. Um, and yeah. the minute you take it away from you, and this is a tip for you and everybody else listening, uh, it just becomes that much easier, I think, to show up because it's it's not about whether you fail or you aren't good enough. It's about all the people you get to make an impact on, hopefully. Yeah. I, I do a lot of speaking, but a lot of, yeah. all of my speaking is interactive, right? Mm. This is one thing that isn't like you're doing all the talking there's nobody 
joining you in the conversation. So that's, uh, you know, so I'm working on it. You see, I'm working on shifting my beliefs mm-hmm. to say, Hey, you know what, even if I'm doing all the talking, it could be a conversation. It a hundred percent can. And, and, you know, you can interact with the audience with hands up and show of hands. And also just, I love watching people's engagement with you. So if you're making a difference or you're getting them to it resonates with them or they see themselves and what you're talking about in a sense, it is a conversation because it's a little bit like having a direct one-on-one with them. Yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah, get me. I hear you. It's brilliant. Anyway, I digress. I just think it's, I think you're going to be fantastic. And uh, what's your topic? Are you willing to share on this podcast? Yeah, okay. I am. Should we, look, so should we speak it to the world right now? What's I, it going to be? I'm, you heard it here I'm first. talking about parenting. Oh, it or oh not. okay. Yeah. Talking about parenting and here's why. You know, normally I coach executives, leaders, entrepreneurs, and typically they come for professionally related coaching, right? They Mm -hmm. come to help grow their businesses or become better leaders or be more effective in their roles, whatever it is. But nine out of 10 times, they end up talking to me about their parenting challenges. And one of the things I realized is that parenting challenges essentially are leadership challenges. They're the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I created something called the five pillars of parenting. And that's Ooh. what I'm going to be talking about. Love it. And then it's going to become but, a book and then it's going to become a course. And then it's, yeah, I can see it right now. <laughs> Natalie, you see, I'm We're monetizing you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you got to think ahead. You know, you got to have these big ass goals. So, and in my mind, I'm there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okay. There we go. You just triggered my beliefs and said, no, 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 I don't, I don't have the bandwidth to write that book. No, no, no. From one coach to another. We'll get you there. Don't worry. I love there it. There you go. So um, coming back sort of full circle to this, the reaching the goals and thinking big and playing that bigger level. I'd love to talk a little bit about emotional resilience because yes. I think that's, you know, something you do very well. And I think it's the key behind a lot of this and how we can leverage it. So let's talk about emotional resilience. First, Mm -hmm. what is emotional resilience? Emotional resilience is a person's ability to bounce back from adversity with speed and agility. And I like to add a little bit more to that and do something with that adversity. In other words, turn it into an advantage, turn it into something good, something useful, something Mm -hmm. that they can take and run with. And so what I discovered is that extraordinary leaders have a high, high degree of emotional resilience. And that is one key characteristic that differentiates top performing entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders from others. And so, yeah, I mean, they're not different from anybody else. We all experience blows or challenges or difficulties, but they're able to think about those difficulties differently than the rest of us. And they're able to look at it, you know, instead of focusing on what went wrong, they say, okay, what, what can I do with this now? Uh, what can go right? What are the solutions from this problem? Where do I go from here? And they don't sit in that dark hole for very long. Mm. I, first off, I love the language that you used around emotional resilience because it appeals to me as an athlete or a or a competitor as um, all those things. You know, you have more speed and agility to bounce back and to run harder and faster and, and take the lessons that you've learned from that that mishap or that failure or whatever it may be and do something with it that's more positive, take the lessons and do even better. And, you know, I have a perfect example of that last year, which I talk about a lot because I really like sharing these things because it really knocked me on my ass for the first time I'd say probably in my professional career as an entrepreneur, like I've had lots of ups and downs, but most of them I just like love and deal with them because I quite like embracing 
failures. I think they're really useful for learning. But this one really did knock me confidence-wise and it was just a poor, it was a shitty launch that in my mind um, I wasn't aligned with and I didn't have the right energy around, but I knew I had all the experience and skills to make it amazing. And I think because I wasn't aligned energetically with it and wasn't fully, as you said, right at the beginning of this podcast, believing in and thinking that it could be what I wanted it to be, it was just a massive flop and an expensive flop and a really hard lesson learned. But even though it's taken, I would say it probably took a good sort of six months to bounce back from the resilience that I gained from that and what I actually did with it, taking it further has led to three of my best launches this year and just me being absolutely on fire and in alignment with exactly what I want to teach and how I want to show up. And had I not had that experience, which was really pretty tough to go through at the time, like a real soul searching moment and um, grounding experience for me, I don't think I'd be where I am now. And I just love how hindsight is such a wonderful thing when you get to this place. But if I told myself that back then, I would have been like, no way is that going to happen. So just, yeah. But an experience like that could take someone and say, okay, I'm done with this game, right? Like I'm just, I'm over it. I've had had those moments. (laughs) That's it. Now let's call it a day. Let's go take a nap. Yeah. And so, but what you did is said, okay, so let's sort through this. What was right about it? What was wrong about it? What do I actually know? What do I want to leave behind? Mm. And so on. And, and so you turned it into something you could work with. And that's what I mean by emotional resilience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We all get kicked to the curb sometimes. The question is, how long are you going to stay there? Yeah. Right? And, and when are you going to get up? Yeah. And I also think combining that with actual data and facts. So assessing from an emotional perspective, perspective how that felt but also when I looked at the actual data it wasn't as crappy as I thought but in my mind I had made it into a much bigger thing and I think when you can um, use both your emotional data and you know like the real analytical statistical data it can sometimes give you a lot better perspective as well that you can go okay cool as you just said what what did go well what didn't go well was it as bad as I thought or is it me kind of making a mountain out of the molehill well, and we do that, right? So we awfulize a lot of things. We make them worse than they really are. And sometimes, you know, there's the philosophy of like, fast forward your life. When you look back, is this moment going to be so important? And does anyone actually really care? I, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it, it's, I hate to say it, but yes, people around you are caring and that you're cared for and people love you, but nobody really cares. Yeah. And so, so, and for me, um, that allows me to do a lot of things that maybe in the past might have held me back because I'm kind of like, hey, it's my life. It's it's mine to work with. It's mine to experiment with. What do I want to try now? You know, and what does it mean if I fail? It means nothing. It just means I failed this one time with this one experience. It doesn't mean I'm a failure at life, right? So, no. in fact, you're putting everything for it. Yeah, it's yeah. about putting everything in perspective. And so how do we kind of take ego out of it? Because if I'm really being honest here, the thing that got bruised most during that, that shitty launch and that experience was my ego because I was banking on all the years of experience and success and hard work and thinking that I knew all the things that I needed to know. And even when I applied those, it didn't work. So really in retrospect, it wasn't my process so much. That was that misalignment that I talked about, but also my ego took a bit of a bruising. Um, So, and that's a so, different thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, the ego says something like this. I should have known better. Mm-hmm. I should have done better. I should have performed better. It's the should component that messes you up. 
I'm smarter than this. And it's the should. I shouldn't have fallen into any of those traps, right? Mm -hmm. It's the should component, which really plays the role of bruising the ego. And -hmm. what I like to do is say, really, why not? Why should you know better? Why not? Like, why? Why should you know better? And so start to really poke holes in that fundamental view of things. You know, things should be the way they are. Yeah, but they are, they're not the way you think they should be. So now what? Mm-hmm. Right? So really poke holes and really kind of push a person to say, why should things be a certain way? Where did that come from? Where did the, that ideology get formed for you in your mind? And what if we could just let go and say, things shouldn't be any way other than the way they are. So now what are we going to do? Let's, let's wrap our arms around the way things are now and let go. Things become so much lighter, so much easier. And we're able to say, okay, so here's where we are in this moment. Where do we want to go next? Because when we have that bruised ego, we're not looking forward, are we? We're really looking back. Yep. Oh, a hundred percent. Looking at past performances and judging based on that, which sure. brings me into sort of, I guess the final area I'd love to talk about, because we are alluding to this here as well is expectations. So when you were just saying there, it's, we keep saying should, 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 I should be better. I should be smarter. I should be stronger. Yeah. I should be whatever. I should be further ahead yeah. often in my mind. And I know I have huge expectations for myself and my friends and my family and I know that that has definitely caused problems and continues to because I see as I said before all their potential but I also sort of expected of them so a big thing I've been working on for years is how not to show up with any of those expectations and judgment and just allow them to be I still find that incredibly hard just because I think everybody should be embracing life gung-ho and living it to their best. And they should, because they only have one opportunity, right? So how, um, right. That's so, so really should they? Yeah. Must they? Well, (laughs) you know, yeah, exactly. If I were coaching you, if I were coaching you, right. Mm -hmm. What we would look at is like, so why is it so important for you that everybody lives up to their potential? Oh, It is so important to me Uh, because I think we're all put on this earth to live our best life and become the best version of ourselves. And if we squander that or waste that, I think that is a real shame. Okay. But hold on a sec. Yeah. So I can understand why it's important for you to live up to your potential because that's about you. But why is it important for you that they live up to their potential? I mean, they in the global, right? Mm. Very good question, Kim. Uh, Just because, well, it's not, it's me thinking it's important for them. That's why I think it's actually, it's always me going, this is important for them. So, but if we go one step further, when you see someone living up to their potential, that makes you feel good. And when you see someone squandering their potential, your word, then it makes you feel frustrated. Right? Correct? Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what I would suggest to you is that, you know, what you're really after is to feel good about the world and you're using their actions or inactions as your reason not to feel good. And that's not a good reason, right? So what you're doing is you're, 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 it's so important for you to live up to your potential and you're using their actions as a reason not to live up to your potential. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I hadn't thought about it, that it's their actions. Right. You're using what they're doing or not doing as your reason to be out of sorts, to be frustrated, agitated, whatever. And when you're agitated and frustrated, you are not at your best. 
So you're using them, I'm sorry to use this language, as an your excuse to feel out of whack. And that's not a good excuse. It's not a good excuse. That's why I don't let it happen as much as I think it used to. Right. I just go on with my right. life and I try to be that positive beacon um, that brings right. happiness and joy into people's lives. And if they want to accept that, great. And if they don't, I I don't dwell, I don't worry, I just move on. And so it's all about me turning up and living my best life and hopefully exactly. people will come along for the ride. But in the past, exactly. for sure, I did and still do some from time to time get that frustration. And you're right, then that doesn't put me in the place of working from my best potential. So really good right. points there. But let's make it easy this, though. <laughs> let's apply this to parenting, which is mm-hmm. today my hot subject, right? But that's what parents do. They put their all their expectations on their kids. And when their kids don't do everything and live up to their expectations, what happens? That relationship becomes fractured and difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's exactly the opposite of what parents want. Parents want to be able to influence their kids positively. And what ends up happening is because the relationship is fractured, the influence diminishes rather than increases. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very interesting conundrum, right? So how do we deal with this, Kim? Like what, I, obviously I had how. some, yeah, great. I'll tell you how. So when you <laughs> use your mental muscle to focus only on the awesome and amazing qualities of whoever, your children, the person in front of you, whoever, that's it. When you just focus on what's good and right about this person, more of that shows up and they Mm -hmm. shine brighter and they end up do living up to a greater potential because you're refusing to see anything other than their greatness, period. No frustration, pure joy, because you're looking at what's great about them. Yeah. Love that. I need to put my rose tinted, my rose colored tinted glasses on all the time. (laughs) You know what? It it sounds like, like, uh, you know, la la land, but it's not, it actually takes a great amount of self-discipline and muscle to look at a person and look past what some might call flaws and look at only the beauty, the brilliance, the strengths, the potential. It takes muscle to do that. Yeah. Beautifully put. Thank you, Kim. And I imagine it takes potentially even more muscle to allow us to do that for ourselves as in to look at myself through that through that lens of here are all the great amazing awesome things about you and let's focus on those so that we can grow those yes we don't do that right our tendency is to see all the flaws and to (laughs) and to sit in that place a whole lot longer easier stronger than we would ever sit in our brilliance we're not used to that that muscle isn't even formed yet Mm -hmm. so how do we apply that to ourselves outside of some great tools like gratitudes meditation reflection and doing some of that deep inner work are there any strategies that i guess somebody could take right away from this podcast and go cool i'm gonna try that out well again i i really feel like the way we think our beliefs are really the key to all of this so one of the things that i encourage people to do is this following exercise it's obviously a journaling exercise but whoever's listening write this down so question number one what do i really really want more than anything write that down The second question is, so what's stopping me from having it now? And then write down all the reasons. And all those reasons are all your beliefs. And then ask yourself the question about every single reason. Is that actually true? What makes it true? Or did I pretty much just make it up? (laughs) And so what you want to do is you want to start challenging your beliefs. And once you start challenging your beliefs, that's like poking the holes, right? Creating space for greater possibility greater opportunity, greater potential, 
potential. It's like, <laughs> I love it. Be more like Sharon so, Stone in a good way. <laughs> the, the yes, yes. <laughs> Um, really powerful stuff. And I've done a lot of this in the past and it, and it really does work. But I think the thing is you just need to keep working on it. It's you are a, um, a vehicle, a, a tool that you're just something to be worked on all the time so that you can continue to shine and be brilliant. Um, and you can't stop doing that inner and outer work in many ways. Otherwise, humans have this potential to, to go back to that place of, of kind of where they were. So do you, do you do that every single day yourself? Like, is that a place that you've kind of naturally gotten to after all these years of coaching others is to continue to just work on yourself? Well, I do. And, you know, I'm human like everyone else. And I also have a set of limiting beliefs that I try to challenge on an ongoing basis. I mean, you heard a couple of them today on this podcast, but yeah. you know, once you become aware of them, then in the back of my mind, I'm like, what, you know, what's up with that? Why can't I write a book? I can write a book, right? <laughs> like, when am I going to do that? How's that going to look? What would I write in the book? And all of a sudden, like what you did was you, you poked a hole in my belief, right? So, okay. <laughs> I'm glad we could do it for each other. And also, I really love that you're super transparent on this podcast, because I want people to hear that we don't all have all the answers, but the fact that we are continuing to work on finding them and then putting them into action, as you said, is the most important gift that you can give to yourself. A hundred percent. I agree with you fully. Yep. Well, I know we could speak for hours, but I also appreciate your time. I'm very grateful for it. This has been fantastic. I think this is a great episode to go into sort of the end of the year and really think about how you want to show up now and also into the next decade, 2020, my friends. So pretty crazy. And Kim, I, I think this has been fantastic. Where is the best place for people to find you, seek you out and have some more of that wisdom in their life? So please come and visit us at frameofmindcoaching.com. Look around. We have all kinds of articles, videos, all kinds of things. And I invite you to experience what it's like to work with a journal and work with a coach and sign up for a complimentary coaching call. Uh, we'll ask you to journal and you'll bring that journal to the coaching experience and see what that's like. And I, you know what I've, I've heard over and over and over again, that that one call just totally wakes people up and helps them see what they can't see on their own. It's incredible. I bet it does. So thank you so much for that. And maybe if they mention untapped or my name, they might just get some extra loving. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And what way? Natalie. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. Please do mention her. Thanks so much, Kim. My pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that rerun of one of the best of the best episodes ever on Untapped, according to you and my wonderful listeners. As you know, the purpose of the Untapped podcast is to help you tap into your potential, get paid to be you and make more income. And that is also the purpose behind my beautiful 10K club. As you know, the Untapped podcast is all about tapping into your potential, getting paid to be you, doing the work that you love, making more income and more impact. And that is exactly what I teach in the 10K club, the most beautiful creation I have ever done and the most gorgeous members who exist within it. They are queens like you who want to build the business you love that makes you the income you deserve with more ease, grace, flow and fun. And I designed this club to help you hit consistent 10k months and 10x your personal growth. Now, are there members in here who are nowhere near 10k? 
Absolutely. But are they making more money every single month since joining? Absolutely. Are they doubling their income after three months? Yes. Are they tripling their income after six months? Yes. So if you want to join a group of women who are committed to tapping into your potential, getting paid to be who you are and helping each other rise while making an impact on the world one woman at a time, then this is the right place for you. You are a coach, consultant or service provider who is ready to make up to 10k a month to increase their income, to make more impact on the world and to do this all working less, fewer hours, less hustle and with more fun. Head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 10k, that's 10k, read all about it, read the beautiful reviews from some of our members around the world and make sure that you make a commitment and investment in yourself and come join us before it's too late. I will be closing the doors on this club in December for a period of time. So make sure you head across nataliesisson.com forward slash 10k. And while I'm at it, if you want to know the best of the best tools that I use to run my business and I couldn't live without after 11 years of testing all the tools in the world, head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash tools. We updated this page a while ago. It looks beautiful and it also has my favorite tools that I use every single day in my business for payments, landing pages, sales funnels, project management, teamwork, you name it, it's all there. Most of these tools are super affordable. They are awesome and I've really put them there so that you can just dive straight in. If you were starting a business, these would be the tools that I would suggest for you. You might find some absolute doozies in there that you love. You might already be using some of these tools and you might find one that just makes an absolutely huge impact on your business. You're welcome. NatalieSisson.com forward slash tools. Go and check them out. And thank you so much for tuning in every week. If you love the show, if you enjoy it, if you get value from it, if it's made a difference in your life, can you please take one or two minutes to head across to iTunes and just rate and review it. Let people know what you love about the Untapped podcast and what a difference it's made in your life. And you can also do that by tagging me on Instagram at Natalie Sisson when you're listening in and just post a photo of you with your awesome headphones on or at the beach or wherever you may be listening to this and let me know because I love to know where my listeners are in the world, what you look like, what you do and which episode you're listening to. Have an amazing week and don't forget to tap into your potential.